No my hi to my, and welcome to Full Disclosure, a Stuff and KL Productions podcast with me, Karen O'Leary. In this series, I talk with all sorts of amazing and famous Kiwis to find out how coming out was for them. This week on Full Disclosure, I talk to breakfast presenter Maddie McLean. Mum said something really profound to me, which I tell people often because I feel like this is a really amazing thing. Mm. She said, it took you until you were 21 to process it and to be okay with it and to talk about it. So you've got it, you do have to give other people the space to just process it themselves as well. Well, I am very excited to have here with me in the amazing podcast studio, the wonderful, the effervescent, the charismatic, the good looking. Oh my God. The host, obviously, or one of of TVNZ's breakfast show. Um, You also won a a bit of reality show, didn't you, as well? A little bit of that. Yeah. So I'm obviously here with Manny McLean. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Well, that was so nice. That was such, such a such a lovely introduction. Well, the good thing is, Maddie, I didn't actually write an introduction down. I just had to speak from my heart. Wow. And I'm not just I'm not trying to just you know do anything nice for your ego. <laughs> I'm just trying to be genuine and honest. And I was like, what do I think about Maddie McLean? Those are all true things. Well, that's very kind. And the ego is inf- is is inflated. Well, it deserves now, so. to be a Thank little you. bit. Okay, it's good to have a bit of an ego. How are you? It's so nice to be here. Oh, it's just. And I'm just so happy to be doing season two of Full Disclosure. Well, I was, I, I actually got asked to come on last season, but I was filming said reality TV show. Yes. I was, I was, on, a so des- I was on a deserted island while I we were doing was, the first season. I thought it was just because you didn't really like me that well, much. Well, no. That's just an aside. Yeah. No, I was no, going to no. say no anyway. No, I wasn't. No. <laughs> I was always, always going to want to do this okay. with you. Well, great. Well, then my first question for you is while we're talking about Celebrity Treasure Island, Okay. At what point is a lesbian going to win that bloody show? <laughs> well, not just a lesbian, it's, but a woman in general. Um, obviously, this podcast is all about things like, you know, people's sexuality yeah. and their experiences of coming out. How would you, if you had to give yourself or chose to give yourself a label, what would it be in terms of your sexuality? Raging homosexual. Yes. Raging. Okay, great. And have you got that on a badge or a sash? Uh, no, I don't. But I know I'm a I'm a hard six on the Kinsey scale, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I was actually talking to one of my other guests about this the notion of a spectrum and the fact that that can exist for some people. You know, some people can be fluid and go up and down. You know, absolutely. But are you saying you like you you're at that gay end and you're staying there? Yeah. Do you know what? Um, I, what made it really interesting for me growing up was my emotional relationships have always been with women. Always. Yeah. My I'm super close to my mum and my sister. All of my best friends from kindergarten through primary school, high school, university, always women. Mm-hmm. So that always made it really interesting for me because I was so attracted to women on, on like an emotional mm. level and an intellectual level and but but when it comes to the other stuff. Yes. Yeah. Stuff that's not the emotions, but just as the, like the hot. Yeah. Passionate lovemaking. Yeah, look, oh, that's beautifully put. <laughs> this is beautiful. It's, it's strictly men. Hang on. Well, I need to, why do you think that is? Because I, I totally know. get what you're saying. Like similarly, when I was a kid, I would, most of my friends were boys. Yeah. And similarly, even now, my, a lot of my adult friends are men. Why is that, Maddie? I have no idea. This is really a real shame. Neither of us have an idea because it could be this could have been a real light bulb moment. I think women. I, I, when I was growing up, I was always very. I was quite, you know, I was extroverted. I was a little bit flamboyant. Mm-hmm. I loved drama. I loved performing. All those things. And I think women were far 
more easily accepting of me as a kid in right. that persona than men were. Yeah. So I naturally was just gravitated to the people that accepted me, and it was women. Yeah, and similarly, I wanted to be playing Kiwi cricket. Totally. And, and so it was the boys that you joined in with. Yeah, and I an action man and GI Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want action man to marry my sister's Barbies. I wanted a Barbie. Did you get one? No, I talked to mum about it, and I was already. Like I already had a hard enough goal of things and <laughs> mum was like, I don't know if the Barbie's going to make it much easier, but let's compromise. And so she got me a doll of um, Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Oh. <laughs> Do you still so, have it? No, I don't think so. No. So it was still a doll, but it was um, like a, yeah. a beast. Yeah, like yeah, it was a manly doll. Yeah, yeah good. You know? so, yeah, so it was a safe doll for yeah. you. Although hair. it still had long hair, so I could still kind of like brush the hair. <laughs> and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were a kid, you know, till you're talking about being extroverted, flamboyant, do you think as a child you knew that you were gay? Or when did you first start to think? Well, I guess because it's tricky as well. Obviously, we talked to, to Ursula about this as well. Like, it's not that you're thinking about sexuality as a four or a five year old. No. So, but I guess when do you think, either looking back or in reality, did you know? I'm pretty sure I'm attracted to men. Uh, it would have been probably around the age of 11, 12, when I really started to to put that into into perspective. Yeah. I always knew that I was different, though. Like, mm. I always knew I didn't fit the mold of the other guys yep. that I was growing up yep. with. But when you're a kid, like, before the age of 11, 12, mm. that just meant I was just a little bit yep. flamboyant. And you played with the girls. And I played with the girls. Yep. But then when I got to high school, that's when I started to go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Which high school did you go to? Uh, Whakatipu High School in Queenstown. Queenstown? Yeah. That's Flash. Yeah, it is quite flat. <laughs> well, there's a massive judgment for me to make about Queenstown, but it's kind of true. No, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a nice nice town to grow up in. So uh, just out of interest, this is just because I'm being nosy, which I am. Do you remember the first the name of the first boy at your high school that made you go, ooh? Yeah, I do. What was it? His name was Sam. Sam. Yeah. It was his surname. <laughs> and I, I just don't, don't, tell, don't say his surname. I won't say his surname, but um, he knows who he is. Okay, if you're out there, Sam, you know who you are and good on you. He he was a good-looking kid, and he has grown into a very good-looking man as well. Is he a gay man? No, married with kids. That's okay. Sometimes it happens. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had these feelings. You were kind of aware of your sexuality from, say, you know, just before you were a teenager. When did you officially announce that to anybody? Long time after that. Was it? Yeah. I went through all of high school... Uh, without coming out to anyone mm-hmm. and without, um, God, denial is a funny thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, by the time I really started to explore it and went, was going through puberty and by the time I was kind of a teenager, you know, 15, 16, 17, I, I was absolutely attracted to men mm-hmm. and was absolutely acting on that in terms of the material I was Engaging for, with. Engaging mm. with online. Yeah. But it's a funny thing, the brain, where even though all of that was going on, um, my brain still said to me, but if I don't act on it, mm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like if I don't do anything with a guy, I'm not gay. Yeah. I'm just, I just enjoy just the interest- odd bit of gay porn. Like, yeah. what's so wrong with that? And so it wasn't until later on where I went, actually, that's not at all healthy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. And it's- probably not going to be sustainable long term. Yeah. 
And so then I came out, I went to university and I had a girlfriend um, who has also since come out as queer, which is interesting. I I think that happens more regularly than you realise. Yeah, my high school girlfriend is uh, is gay now as well. Yeah. And and I don't think, I I truly, like, until they both came out, it wasn't like I was walking around thinking they were gay. Um, I think it just something happened where we must have just on some really deep-seated level knew, yeah. um, which is really interesting. But yeah, so I had a girlfriend at high school, and again, it was that whole thing. She's my best, truly my best friend now. Yeah. I talk to her almost every day. And I think it was just that whole thing where I was like, I love this woman. Yeah, right, She's yeah. amazing. And we have such an amazing connection. She's so funny. I'm so drawn to her. I want to spend every day with her. I want to spend as much time with her as possible. But there just wasn't the That's next level spark. connection, you yeah. know? Um, so we, we dated for a little bit and then it wasn't until after I left university that I um, finally went, I can't, I can't suppress this anymore. Yeah. I had a really pushy friend. She's like, she gets up in everyone's business. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she gave me a book. I remember vividly her handing me a book. And it was um, a book of queer stories of queer New Zealanders growing up. Mm. I remember, I can't remember who else was in the book except for I remember Grant Robertson was in the right. book. Yeah. And so it was all these different stories of. Um, openly queer people and they're basically they're coming out stories much like what you're doing here yeah and it had a profound impact on me because until then I'd been so fearful about stepping through that door mm-hmm. like it felt like as soon as I acknowledged it and as soon as I said the words out loud there was no coming no back, back from it yeah and so to step through the door was so scary and then I read all these stories and I and I just remember the light bulb going off being like, okay, people have done it before me and they've gone on to live reasonably successful lives, happy and healthy lives. Yeah. And it, you, it can be done and it doesn't have to be that scary. And so that's when I went, I've got to do this. I've got to say it out loud. I've got to tell someone. And so the, the friend that gave me the book was the first person I ever told. Oh, and was her response... I know, or yes. I mean, I don't think she gave me the yeah, book by accident. <laughs> by accident, I think that was her not so subtle nudge of being a really good supportive friend. Totally, yeah. Um, and it worked. Yeah. And so I came out to her, and then slowly over the course of maybe six months, I started to tell everyone else in my life. Yeah. My parents were the last people I told. Why? Um, I was really scared. Mm-hmm. Really scared, and I didn't need to be. But it was it was just that big life altering thing of I don't know how they're gonna react. Yeah. I hope I know how they're gonna react, mm. but I don't truly know. And I think um that came from not really not really having many conversations about it. I feel like we're so much more open as a society. Absolutely, now, yeah. Where people know that that there's nothing to, that that their parents are going to be fine with that, but back then we just never spoke about it. No. Even though I know Mum and Dad knew, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we never had a conversation where I was made to feel like it was okay to say that, and I mm. think that came from them not wanting to pressure me. Yeah, but yeah, it almost made me feel like I didn't know what what the reaction was going to be. Of course, there was nothing to fear at all. 
How, what happened? How did you tell them? Um, I went home for Christmas and I planned on doing it in person and then I freaked out and didn't and I um, flew back to Wellington and I was living with the pushy friend. Yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) And she said, did you do it? And I said, no, I freaked out. And she said, you've got to do it. Like you can't, all your friends at this point in your life know, you can't live this life with your parents not knowing. Like that can't be a separate thing that you do. And so we sat on the couch and she literally held my hand and I called my mum. And it was, yeah, it was one of the scariest things I've ever done. But then how did your mum respond? She was amazing. She was incredible. We both cried. Yeah. She said she'd always known, Mm. wanted to give me space to be able to, to talk about it in my own time. Um, I think at that point, and I think this was, perhaps it's not anymore, but at least at that time, I feel like this was probably quite a natural parent reaction, that whole fearful, I don't know how the world's going to treat you now. absolutely. Um, but she was amazing. It made me feel really safe and secure. She told dad, she said, I'll tell, I'll tell your father. Yeah. And she told dad and dad took a few weeks to process it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember being worried about what that meant, you know, like I didn't talk to dad and he didn't call me and uh, I was worried about what that meant. And mum said something really profound to me, which I tell people often because I feel like this is a really amazing thing. Mm. She said, it took you until you were 21 to process it and to be okay with it and to talk about it. So you've got it. You do have to give other people the space to just process it themselves as well. And then I talked to dad and it was fine. And it and it truly, uh, it changed my relationship with my dad in a in, massive in what way. way. Um, when I was growing up, the, I felt like we could never really connect, like we never mm-hmm. really understood each other. And then it was almost like that light bulb moment where we both kind of knew where the other person and was coming from. And got each other a bit more, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. He's such an incredible man in my life. And I feel, feel very privileged. But growing up, I didn't necessarily feel like I had that close relationship with him until I was brave enough to kind of, I guess, be honest with who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess hopefully and theoretically, being honest with who you are will improve any relationship that you have. Totally. Yeah. So that's what we need to go for. People being really honest and feeling okay to be who they are. Yeah. Okay, how are we going to make that happen, Maddie? You just got to you you do you just got to be brave enough to walk through the door, yeah. And it might take a lot of time, but once you do it, man, it's so it really is. You know, they talk a lot about the weight being lifted and yeah. it, it gets better and all the rest of it. It truly does. And yeah. I'm not saying every. It, I'm not saying it's like that for everyone, yeah. but I, I I think the the norm is that most people, for most people, it gets much much better. Yeah, absolutely. So when when you were coming out to your friends and you were in Wellington at the time, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was when I started to what, come out to What people, were you yeah. doing? Uh, I just life? started at TVNZ. It was my first job. Great, yeah. Yeah, so I was very new to the media industry as well. Did you worry about that aspect of things? No, I wasn't worried about – I know. It didn't really cross my mind. It was more the personal relationships I – I was concerned with. Yeah. I nev- I don't really think it crossed my mind that I should be concerned about how it might impact on my professional life. Mm. Thank God, because I was in an industry where maybe I should have thought about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it turns out I, even if I had worried about it, there was nothing to 
to fear, nothing to be concerned with. At no point have I ever have I ever felt from from TVNZ, who I've worked for for sixteen years now. Yeah. At no point have I ever thought that my sexuality would ever have any impact on the career that I could or would have. And you the know? opportunities that were going to be given to you. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. And I started at TVNZ, so I was 21 when I first, when I got my first on-air job. I was yeah. a junior reporter on The Breakfast Show in the Paul Henry and Pippa Wetzel days. Ah, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I mean, I do work on the show now, but the heydays. Of yeah. 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 Um, and, and our job was to kind of be these kind of young, bright personalities on the show. Yeah. They wanted us to just be have fun and, and do silly things and make people yeah. laugh and entertain people. And so actually it was the perfect job for me to kind of express myself. And so it was kind of amazing that at the same time as I was kind of figuring myself out and yes. finally for the first time accepting who I was and being brave enough to just embrace that, so too was the workplace. Yeah, you had a job, job which, which needed you to be like yeah. that. Yeah, which was incredible. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Working on TV from pretty young, like I've always known, is that you are a gay person. Yeah. Was it ever like, did it ever have to have an announcement by anyone or was it just, or is it always been a known thing? It was, I mean... I think it was always a known thing, but I do remember exactly when I first publicly spoke mm. about it. I'd been yeah. working, I'd, it, it was never an acknowledged thing on breakfast. Like right. we never... Said, you, hey, Maddie, how's your boyfriend? No. Yeah. I, I didn't have one either, so... Okay, yeah. <laughs> how's your Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> was nzdating.com back Oh, yes, then. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the good old days. <laughs> um, I do remember Paul Henry once making a joke because I did a um, live cross from a... Um, must have been like a wetter workshop yeah. exhibition about because they were doing the Narnia films. Right, yeah. Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. So I walked into the... <laughs> I, I, I um, walked into the, the, closet. the closet Yeah. and Paul Henry made a joke about it must be the first time Maddie's ever walked into a closet. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the, the the only time I can really remember like a subtle yeah. hint as to what was going on. But it wasn't like I was hiding it. All my yeah, yeah, friends yeah. and family knew at that point. It just wasn't never really talked about. Talked about. Yeah. But then um, a few years after I left breakfast, I was a reporter on the news and the marriage amendment bill was going through parliament. 
And like so many people, I put a written submission in because I just felt like it was, yeah. you know, it's something I felt really passionately about. I wanted to speak up about it. But I truly just thought, I'll put my written submission in. I'll, you know, be one of thousands and yeah. that'll be that. Just one of many voices. Well, they called me and said, we've selected certain submissions and we'd love for some people to come and actually speak to their submissions in front of the select committee. So that was, I remember a really specific moment where I had to go, do I, do I want to really speak publicly about this? Mm. Even though I wasn't ever hiding yeah. it, you know, it felt like a, a big moment to go, okay, I'm going to talk about this publicly. Did it kind of feel like you were then almost becoming like the face of gay marriage or the face of being well not the face but i guess one of one of it certainly put me front and center of what was a pretty massive debate in the Mm. country at that time um but i just remember i remember talking to my family about it i remember talking to my friends about it and um and i just thought there's something i feel really strongly about and i'd kick myself if i didn't speak up and stand up for this community that i've become such an amazing part of and been welcomed into um and so i went and spoke to parliament this was also a point where in my written submission i talked about the coming out to my dad and he had spoken about some of the fears that he had and you know he spoke of the disappointment that at that point he felt in terms of this life he'd imagined for his Mm. son you know not being able to get married and possibly not having Mm. kids and all these kinds of things and as it stood I I couldn't get married you know so I'd spoken about that in my written submission and all of a sudden I thought shit if I talk about this in front of parliament then that story of me and my dad is going to be mm. out there. And even though I'd come out a few years ago to dad, we hadn't really spoken about it. I hadn't had yeah. a partner, so I hadn't brought anyone home. So there yeah. wasn't really a need for us to kind of talk about the fact that yeah. I was gay. And so I called him and I said, I've written in the submission and they've asked me to talk about it and I talk about you. And it was um, really the first time we'd properly had a conversation mm. since I'd come out. And he was like, you've got to do this. And I'm really proud of you for speaking up. And, and, and it was just that, you know, again, that real moment where I went, man, we've come so far. And if my dad's really proud of me for doing this, then I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Yeah. So I went and spoke to Parliament. And lo and behold, the Herald wrote an article about it. And the next thing, yeah. the Women's Day wanted to do an article about it. And yeah. so then it was, it was out there. But really, I had nothing but like love and support. It was yeah. amazing. What about speaking of publicly doing things? There was that one time, right, back in 2021 when someone made a complaint or whatever. You know when you did that great that story with that person and then they kissed you on the cheek? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I I remember reading about that at the time and thinking, do you think that happened, Like, the, especially the complaint and the person that probably came from, do you think that happened because of the fact that you it was two men as opposed to anyone else? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that for so many things – People will hide behind. Oh, it's not. It's not that you're gay. It's just that I don't want to. You know, See that? I don't want to. I don't yeah. want people's. You know, lifestyles rammed down my throat. Well, then it is about me being gay. Yeah. Because <laughs> you wouldn't say that if a, a woman kissed a man on the cheek or anything like that. Absolutely not. No. Well, it's good that that got thrown out, then, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I want to talk to you about. I haven't even asked you about your lovely partner slash. Husband. Husband, yeah. <laughs> and I obviously want to know all about that. Well, I've seen this, like, you feel like you know because you see the photos and stuff like that in Women's Day. Do you sometimes wish that there was a man's day? Yeah. For you to be in? Isn't it, isn't it so rude? When is International Men's Day? 
<laughs> oh, I think it's every day, okay. Maddie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about just People's Day? Yeah, totally. Or People? No, that's a different magazine, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how much value do you place in having things like your wedding? You know, it's, it's a public thing. Mm. Do you hope that that is helpful for people? Hugely. Yeah. For me, like I'm an open book, and. Um, you know, there's no hiding from for me, and I wouldn't want it to be that way. But my husband is—he's a bit more shy. He's a, a, an introvert. Yeah, yeah, um, and doesn't love putting himself out there, and doesn't love the spotlight. Um, but you know, he has had to kind of get used to it in a way, just by the nature of who I am and what my job is. Um, but it was definitely a big conversation we had because. Yeah, when we got engaged, the Women's Day said we'd love to do something on it. Yeah. And I said to him, how do you feel about it? Do you want to? He's never really wanted to be in the magazines or anything like mm-hmm. that. They've asked to do stories in the past and he said no, and I've totally respected that. But he thought about it and he was actually the one that said, I never saw this kind of stuff growing up. Yeah, Like when true. did I ever see two guys on the front cover of a Women's Day magazine because they were getting married? And so he was the one that said, I feel like we have to do this because what an amazing thing to be able to show people. And so we did it. Good on Ryan and obviously you as well. Yeah. Because you had to be there too. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a it was a beautiful reminder of even though you think you've come far far as a society, there are always like little I always think of little kids sitting at home yes. who's who are just crying out for that representation. And I think we were the first, like, gay men to get married to to be on the front cover of the Women's Day. Well, congratulations! Thank you. Because obviously, Eli was the first gay same-sex couple on Dancing with the Stars. I know. And I was actually a little bit miffed about that. Yeah. Because they had actually asked me to go on once, but I was too busy filming another show about police officers. Damn it! And so then once Eli did it, also I can't dance, so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of lucky, really, for everyone. <laughs> Probably was thinking, oh, now that I was only going to do it if I could be the first. And now you're not same the first, sex, now. Nah. And I'm yeah. so no, I'm you know just officially not going to do it. I'll start my own. I'm I'm going to start my own um, reality dating show called The Butcherer. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Is it specifically for butchers? Well, I haven't quite worked it out because I don't want to. I don't want to you know exclude anyone. Yeah. So maybe just the main person is the is a butch, and then there's a variety of other women that they get to choose and give the um. It won't be roses either. It'll be oh, right. Sorry, you were talking about butch lesbians. I thought you were literally talking about butchers. Butchers. No, you're thinking about meat. I'm thinking about lesbians. <laughs> it is not at all surprising. But, you know, I'm talking about butch lesbians dating. Yeah, so I think that, yeah. So, look, okay, it needs some more workshopping, all right? I'll admit that. Anyway, yeah. No, I like the. I like it as a concept. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it just needs to, I just need to work out whether it's actually going to work. Mm. Okay, right. We'll leave that with me. But yes. I think your point is representation matters, right? <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, and this is why you're so good at your job. <laughs> well, and yeah, representation does matter. Yeah, look, look. So, who did you have growing up? No, why can't I honestly can't think of anyone? When I was late teens, we had Queer Eye. Yes, yeah. But even Queer Eye, I I never saw anyone on Queer Eye where I went, oh, that feels like me. But, yeah, Queer Eye always kind of felt like caricatures of of gay men. Gay men. Yep. Um, and I'm and do you think it was for a straight audience as well? Or do you think that? Yeah, was, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, um, and I'm not taking anything away from them because yeah. it was pretty amazing to have yeah. five gay guys on TV, you know, yeah. on national tele- or international television. But yeah, and I, I never, I never saw anything of myself in them, and that's kind of all we had, really. Yeah, I guess 
I had the top twins. And Alan. Yeah, I forgot about Alan. But I remember her when she got outed in the show and then she got cancelled. And I remember thinking, oh, that's like, it really obviously worried me. Totally. Because I was like, well, this is, what, this is what happens if you just end up, even though at the time she was really funny, seemed really cool, great, you know, but coming out was enough to almost ruin and derail her career. Yeah. I remember watching Queer Eye as a kid as well. And my grandfather was, you know, I think it's safe to say a bit of a homophobe. Right. And he, I remember him coming in and being like, oh, what is this crap on mm. television? Who yeah. the hell are these guys? And me thinking, oh, okay, well, just retreat further into the closet yeah. then. And I think it was this thing where for my granddad, he never knew anyone that was gay. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't a part of his life. Yeah. And so it was always something, I guess for him, really foreign and therefore quite fe- like yes, fearful. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And it really wasn't until I came out that I think he completely changed his mind. Because as soon as I came out, he went, oh. But, oh, you're just a regular Maddie. Yeah, yeah, but I know him and I yeah. I love him. So therefore, it's clearly yeah. not as scary as I thought it was going to be. And I, I reckon overnight, my granddad changed, completely yeah. changed. And by the end of his life, he's no longer with us. Mm. Love him. Um he, you know, Ryan and I would go and stay at his house and he yeah. fully embraced Ryan and yeah. loved me for me and everything. Like, was very, very supportive. Yeah. Well, so then maybe what we could do, just another idea, I'm having ideas because you're making me think so much, Maddie. If we had like a national day, which was um, Befriend a Gay Day. I love it. And everyone, like, maybe we just send all the gays yeah. out. Yeah, how they take dogs into rest homes and stuff. Yes, maybe they can a, just take gays into yes. the, the rest homes instead. Okay, again, this is I think this is I'd I'd watch that on television. God, we're creative, aren't we? This is just too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've talked about the Women's Day. We've talked about your lovely husband. And you've talked about how you you part of the reason you did that was because for representation and to have a positive impact. Mm. Do you ever get negative anything? Yes. Oh. Yeah, and I've noticed it actually more recently than ever. People are getting a little bit worse. It's like I f- you feel like we were going forwards, but now all we're, of that going backwards. turfy, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like with, um, yeah, I don't know if it was COVID or what, but mm. it feels like as a society there are definitely some issues that we need to overcome. And it feels like we're less accepting than we ever have been. Yeah. Uh, in certain in certain aspects, and I really try and tune it out because I think actually those voices are just, just really loud, and yes. they're not necessarily the majority. Uh, in fact, I know they're not the majority, but they're definitely loud. And for example, literally last week, I filled in on a radio show with my friend Clint, who's yep. straight, and I put up a photo. And I made a kind of self-deprecating joke about how I was bringing the masculine energy to the radio show that afternoon. And people cannot take a joke and take things very seriously. And all of a sudden I had, I put it up on Instagram and and on Facebook on my professional pages. And the Facebook comment section just got overrun with homophobes. People calling me a poof, people calling me a homo, people saying, you're not bloody masculine. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous how much hate there was on this one post. And at first I was, like, fighting back and arguing yeah. with people. And I was like, why it am never, I... It never works, though. never works. <laughs> and why am, I, why am I expelling all this energy, trying to engage with people who are just idiots? So then, again, another idea. I need to infiltrate that group and 
have a really loud voice and then bounce some information into them and I can have I can just sw- switch it all around. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. It can't be. I mean, surely. It's hard. Like I really, I wish that I could just change people's minds because I just, I just want to say you're being, you're being hoodwinked. You're being hoodwinked mm. by people who want you to feel fearful. Yes. And they want you to feel fearful because guess what? They have platforms that are being built on you feeling that fear. Yeah. And so it is their, literally their job to make you feel fearful of these things, like make you think that that trans people are coming for your kids. Mm. They're not coming for your kids. They don't give a shit about your kids. And the people that are telling you this are the ones that are benefiting from this in the long run. They're literally making money from these platforms that are making you feel fearful. But people don't understand that. Mm. And it makes me so mad that there's people in the world who are literally making money off off the fear yeah. that people are feeling. And so they are perpetuating that fear. And it's working. People feel that. Mm. And it makes me so mad. So mad. But then I think I think I can't I can't live my life feeling that anger because if I thought about it too often, I would just be angry all the time. Because it's easy to get angry about that kind of stuff the way that they feel angry about trans people, you know? And I just think as much as I would love to change the world, I'm probably not going to change the world. But, but Maddie, I'm going to jump in there because little things, well, not even little things, but things like being on the cover of Women's Day, that does change the world. Yes, yes. Well, it doesn't change the world, but it might change. change starts to change some people's worlds. Some people, yeah. So all I can do is just keep being kind and yes. thoughtful and speaking up about issues but not letting it rule my life because otherwise I would get really angry all the time. So I just have to hope that the love and kindness eventually breaks through that barrier for at least some people. That's some pretty good advice there. And speaking of advice, is there any advice you'd, you'd give your younger self in terms of who you are? Any advice at all? So much. Okay. Hit me. Um, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chronic overthinker. I'm getting that impression a little bit. <laughs> no, I think you're a chronic deep thinker, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah, but I think I took um, – I, I think I worried so much about what life might throw at me. and now As a result of being gay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and now I just look back and I, mean, I go, man, there just was nothing to be worried about at all. I'm so happy. Like, I'm so happy with who I am. I'm so happy with the life that I've built. So happy that I've found someone. That would also be advice for my not super younger self, but maybe mm, my like yep. early mid-twenties self is like, you don't need to be worried about finding someone. Like, when the moment is right, you will find them. I, I went through my entire twenties without a serious relationship. Desperate for one. Yeah. Always dating. And always coming in way too hot. Like I'd go home <laughs> yeah. from the first date and tell my best friend, Chloe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the good pushy, the assertive one. No, the, no, the, the other, former girlfriend. The, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd come home from the first date and I'd sit on the couch because we lived together at this point and I'd say, he's the one. <laughs> yeah. I want to get married. And she'd go, maybe go on a second date before you start <laughs> like planning a wedding. And then it would never go anywhere because I came in so hot. And then as soon as I finally like chilled out, I think I – 
uh, I had so much self-doubt and, and a mm. lack of self-confidence in my early 20s. And then as soon as I finally became confident in myself and who I was, was when I was just totally myself and was able to chill out and therefore, I think, make it easier for someone else to love me for me. And so it was 30. I was 30 when I met Ryan. How did you meet him? Tinder. Was it hard being on Tinder as a because everyone knows who you are? Nah, I didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. I honestly didn't. It did, wasn't a. It wasn't an issue because I was like, well, people on TV are allowed to date. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're not like um Ken and Barbie just with little plastic mouths. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I matched with Ryan, and then we chatted for two years. You chatted for two years before. Not you... full time. It wasn't like we were talking every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. We matched, and then we just never coordinated right, meeting up. Yeah. He lived in the country, and I lived in the city, and yeah. it just never worked. And then I moved to London for a little bit. And then it wasn't until I moved back from London that Ryan sent me a message on Instagram, actually. We were yes. Instagram friends at this point. And he said, oh, you've moved home. Congratulations on the new job. And I was like, thanks. Let's get a dr that drink we always meant to grab. Yeah. And we did. Oh, and that was that. That's beautiful. Almost seven years. Oh, well, look, Maddie. honestly, I, I think feel like that's such a beautiful place to finish this chat. And I just want to say to you, thank you so much for coming in. And I love the way that you think. And I love the things that you do. And I just think you're an excellent example of a really good human. It's beautiful. As are you, Karen. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. And I just hope you have a lovely, gay rest of the day. <laughs> you too. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Goes without saying. <laughs> This was Full Disclosure, a Stuff and Kale Productions podcast. Thanks so much for listening. There's a new episode released every Tuesday. You can find them at stuff.co.nz forward slash fulldisclosure or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on Apple or Spotify or any of the podcast apps, you'll get the latest episode delivered automatically without lifting a finger. Thanks to creator and producer Kate Langdon, Stuff producer Jen Black and executive producer Chris Reed, and audio editor John Ropiha with original music by Eilish Wilson. Matiwa Aotearoa. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. 
So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.